From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman. It's State of Nevada. The FBI says hate crimes against Asian Americans increased 73% in the last two years. That's compared to a 13% increase in hate crimes overall. And in January, the White House released its first ever national strategy to address several major issues in the Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander communities, including combating anti-Asian hate. State of Nevada producer Lorian Blanco-Moss talked with the director of UNLV's Asian and Asian American Studies program about that federal strategy and what more is needed. According to a Pew Research Center study, one in five Asian Americans say they worry daily that they might be threatened or attacked because of their race or ethnicity. And about one third of AAPIs have changed their daily routine because of those fears. So how do we move forward? The White House says they have a plan. Mark Padungpat is the director of Asian and Asian American Studies at UNLV. He's also the academic research consultant for Exit Spring Mountain, our AANHPI podcast. Mark, welcome back to State of Nevada. Glad to be here, Lorraine. The national strategy to advance equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander communities is the first of its kind. It's a rather detailed document offering a multi-agency approach, 32 federal agencies and all 15 executive departments in the president's cabinet. What are some of the important takeaways? There are a number of important takeaways, things that sort of surprised me, things that didn't surprise me. But I'll start with one thing that's really obvious and that I thought was a good thing was to see the centering of Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander issues. I think that is something that comes out of these conversations and debates that have been happening around what is the AAPI umbrella Mm -hmm. um, and our Pacific Islander issues being uh, ignored and masked uh, under this umbrella. And those conversations, I think, led to this. I saw that and and an attention to kind of health disparities among Native Hawaiians, housing, uh, these issues that have been around for probably 100-something years since U.S annexation. is good to see that. I also think the data disaggregation emphasis is continuing to be important. So I was glad to see that that was something that showed up in the report. I like that the report mentions data disaggregation, but also in a way that highlights that Asian Americans and Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders also have a high concentration of poverty, right? And so just that data point alone sort of challenges the model minority myth and that all Asian Americans are doing well or have high income or high net worth. And so I think that it's not new to us, but it's really important for it to be in the report. I also want to not overblow it either, right? Because I know that it's the first of its kind, but it's not the first iteration or initiative for AAPI within the White House. Clinton signed an initiative when he was in office uh, to support AAPI. And in some ways, you know, there was some stuff in that initiative For example, they had something called a missing in history aspect to that initiative where they wanted to document and tell and amplify Asian American history. And I wish I would have saw that in the report (laughs) uh, this time. And so there's things that are new. This is also not like a radical shift. So Clinton and then Bush had his AAPI kind of initiative, Obama, obviously, and then even Trump. Uh, But Trump kind of shifted more towards economic development. And of course, anti-Asian hate and combating anti-Asian hate crimes was a major highlight in it. Let's talk about that first, because we're coming off, you know, a very, very difficult start to the year. According to the FBI, anti-Asian hate crimes increased by 73%. What's going on? To me, why it's happening is 
there needs to be more kind of preventative measures. There needs to be more ethnic studies. There needs to be more Asian American studies. And it needs to be done in a way that is also valuing the humanities as a whole uh, at universities. And we're just seeing the opposite happen, right? And so I think one connection I'll make is that the more <laughs> the humanities gets cut, Asian American studies programs, ethnic studies programs as a whole get defunded. But what we see in the report is a bolstering of law enforcement. It's a bolstering of the Department of Justice. Somehow the Department of Homeland Security is in there, right? And so we're seeing responses within this report that are only going to bolster what prison abolitionists, activists have called the carceral state. And I think that's important to name. As we talk about prevention and how do we combat this, is funding and pumping more money and resources into law enforcement and litigation um, and prosecution the answer? That's concerning to me because at a moment where you have other activists challenging the carceral state, this almost comes across as a way to bolster that. And in some ways, we become kind of a tool that like, okay, we can use this AAPIA, anti-Asian hate, to kind of give people faith again in law enforcement that we're going to do this work. Janelle Wong's analysis of the data on hate incidences and reports found that in terms of violent attacks on Asian Americans, we saw a lot of that in media and news media, but it constituted only 12% of the quote unquote anti-Asian hate incidences. So what's that 88%, right? Like it's verbal harassment, Mm -hmm. you know, other kinds of like slights, that are being reported, spitting, all these other kinds of attacks. And that, I think, requires a different response. This question came up many times after the devastating deadly shootings in Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay. Can it be called a hate crime when the shooting suspect is also Asian? To be honest, I don't have an answer for that because I I don't find the framing of hate crime helpful in general. And so I think we're asking the wrong question. One, I think we need to focus on the impact that it had on victims. Right. So the Asian American community has already been dealing with these attacks, physical, but also just the verbal. You have a community that's dealing with that. And then they have to deal with this. People who are are murdered by gun violence. That's a disproportionate impact. But also, you know, and this was something that Gordon Chang at Stanford pointed out. And I think what we were all thinking, but having a a difficult time processing was that we also knew that this was going to have another kind of impact on how Asian Americans would be seen. Just because the shooters were Asian, we fear that people are going to look at Asians as a threat. I think the most important thing is to think about the community first, what the community has gone through, the kind of vulnerability that the community has to violence. That goes beyond this hate crime framing. That, to me, does not get at the heart of institutional racism. That makes racism a personal issue. I have to hate you. You have to prove that someone viscerally hates somebody else for it to be a hate crime. Do these tragedies reveal any other pain points in the Asian American community? Perhaps the need for more mental health care or gun control? Yeah, that's a great pivot. In the initiative, we saw a lot of mention of health disparities, language access, right, to be Mm -hmm. able to access health care and to better use the system. I would have liked to see more on mental health care. What we saw in Monterey Park was... I can't diagnose, so I don't know how much it's connected to mental health, but it's connected to guns, access to guns. But I think this does kind of open up more conversation about some of the underlying issues within Asian American communities 
whether that's concentrated poverty. Let's talk about Monterey Park. And if anybody knows anything about Monterey Park, you see that complexity and diversity of class, of immigration status, of language in that community. Professor Mark Badungpat is the director of Asian and Asian American Studies at UNLV. He received his PhD in American Studies and Ethnicity at USC. Data disaggregation is also one of the major highlights in the administration's new national strategy. How important is it to reveal these nuances in statistics to break down the diversity of AA and HPI communities? It's critical. And Asian American studies scholars have been saying this for decades. Community activists and leaders have been saying this. We're always kind of trying to do a needs assessment. As you break it down, what you begin to see are some of the complexities and differences, national differences. You start to see that Southeast Asians, Southeast Asian refugees face different barriers and are impacted in different ways than newly arrived Chinese or Chinese Americans who have been here for four or five generations. Uh, and if you look at Las Vegas, just as an example of how important this can be, the graduation rates, uh, high school graduation rates between Vietnamese and the Japanese Americans, there's a gap there. And then you compare that to native Hawaiians, and this was from an American community survey in 2010. So there's gotta be more recent numbers. Native Hawaiian high school graduation rate was like 12% in Las Vegas. Can we use that information? And that, that's the key, right, is we can call for disaggregation, but what are we gonna do with that information? So I'm going to ask you then, as somebody who is a director of Asian American Studies, is it kind of a wait and see for you to see what happens from this strategy? Yeah, I like how you put it, right? I do see some good talking points in the initiative that speaks to key debates that are happening in the field, that are happening within the community. That's good. One thing that I'm not going to let them get away with <laughs> is that if you look at the different departments that are involved, there's the NEH, right? The National Endowment for the Humanities. Every department had to kind of write a really brief report on how they would, how they fit or how they're going to support the strategy. And the NEH said that they're going to support more Asian studies research. What they mean is they want classrooms to talk about Marco Polo's trips to India and China to support Asian studies faculty, people who study Asia. That's not Asian American studies. In fact, that is almost kind of offensive because it's like you're seeing Asian Americans again as foreigners. So this is an Asian American Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander initiative. And the NEH came with, we are going to support people who study Asia. There was no mention of Asian American history in schools. There was no mention of Native Hawaiian history. It was just, oh, you know, we'll support the people who are doing research overseas. That's what we've been fighting for decades. Is like, we're not, even though we're in the same program, we don't focus on the same populations. It's going to be a wait and see. One of the things that gives me at least some hope is that there's going to be, you know, they want to create a commission within the Department of Health and Human Services, I believe. And that commission is going to be made up of 25 people. And one of the requirements is that they have to have a history of fighting for social justice and equity. That's really important. Professor Mark Badungpat is the academic research consultant for KNPR's award-winning AAPI podcast, Exit Spring Mountain. You can listen to both seasons at knpr.org. Mark, thank you. Thank you, as always, Lorraine. This is State of Nevada.